Welcome to another episode of Good Morning Camera. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back from our summer vacation. Look, sometimes during the summer, not a lot is happening, you know, so we take that time to go and do our own thing, to make stuff, to create stuff. <laughs> but Anthony, a lot has happened in the last few weeks, like a lot, a lot. So we're going to yeah. start off. We're going to be, I mean, we're going to be talking about Apple. We're going to be talking about GoPro. But we got to start off with our friends at Fujifilm because mm -hmm. they had another announcement. Yeah, and I heard that you've you've got hands on on the latest two cameras, the XH2 and the XH2S, but their their Fujikina event uh, was earlier this month, and they revealed yes. this XH2. So you got hands on it on with this camera. We actually got to play around with this camera a little bit at the event that we were at not too long ago. What's the deal? What's can you tell us? What is going on with this camera? What is it all about? What can it do, Gadgen? Yeah, I got to give a shout out to actually Fujifilm for putting on a Fujikina event. Let me just give them a quick shout out, okay? It was Please. a nice event. You know, they Please had a do. ton of workshops. It felt like a, a, a real coming together of the community. They did a great job. Uh, we weren't invited, Anthony. We, not, none of us were invited. <laughs> but if I had to pick between getting hands-on with their latest camera and attending Fuji, I will take that camera. Please, well, give me the camera. Let well, me take a look at it. Gadget, they they just know that we're just gonna they're we're gonna hand them the money and we're gonna be like give us this camera because it's it's, we're it's a monster and it's yeah, a, monster it a monster camera <laughs> it's a monster camera right let's talk about this so you have a yeah. brand new forty megapixel X trans sensor it's not a stack sensor like the one of the XH2S but mm -hmm. it's a forty megapixel sensor it goes down to a base ISO of 125 now, just giving you cleaner results, especially in bright conditions or if you have artificial lighting available to you. Here's the stat that everyone's talking about, 8K recording. Mm -hmm. So with this camera, you can do 8K recording up to 30p, you can do 6.2K recording, again, up to 30p, and you can do 4K recording up to 60p. All those formats, they are 16 by 9. There is no um, open gate recording like the X-H2S where you get the full readout of the sensor. Mm -hmm. But those are some monster stats and a ton of resolution uh, to work with. There's also the brand new sensor that they introduced with the X-H2S in this camera as well. Updating a lot of the features, making it much faster and being able, being able to have that new autofocus algorithm that really, you know, we've been testing it a lot. It tracks subjects with a lot more confidence than any previous Fujifilm camera. Mm -hmm. I wish I had more time to test it. It does feel a little bit, a little bit slower than the X-H2S, but even that, I'm cautiously saying that because I didn't have enough time to really test them side by side in similar settings and their similar lighting conditions. All I did was take this X-H2, we took it like in low light conditions in the woods. Uh, we took it to the studio. We took it to the streets. We had it at our fan expo event secretly. No one knew it was there, but it was there. <laughs> and just looking at this file, looking at the image files from this sensor, it's really, really impressive. You Again, you inherit all of the other upgrades, like a CF Express card slot along with SD, much faster uh, uh, processing, much more well heat managed. I feel like I mm. used too many words there. It's a better heat-managed camera, <laughs> right? Better thermal. Like, you can record for extended periods of time and not worry about this thing shutting down. And if you are in a very hot environment, you can adapt that cooling fan that they introduced. I don't, again, I don't think most people need it, but you have that there. You also mm. have the seven stops of image stabilization in there. Unique to this camera, you have a 160-megapixel 
pixel shift mode. So if you're on a tripod, if you're locked off and you have a static subject or scene, you can now record, uh, I shouldn't say record, capture a 160 megapixel shot as it shifts across the pixels of the sensor, uh, which is just brilliant to have if you're into landscapes or architecture or still life, or even if you're scanning film. Imagine if you're you know, shooting your film shots, your analog, and you want to scan them at a much better resolution. Well, you have that option now. So mm. that's the gist of it. But I imagine you have some questions, right? So I'll pass it over to you. You let me know. What do you want to know about this camera? Yeah, I'm super curious. So I was reading over the specs, uh, especially the video specs. You know, I'm all about the megabits per second and all this like different frame rates and things like that. So the list of specs on the video front is absolutely insane. I'm curious, is this too much? Like, did they give us too much in the video specs? Because all these different codecs, like you got so many different codecs at like all these different megabits per second, different frame rates and stuff. When you were going through the menu, was it mm -hmm. too much? I think there's two questions to answer there. Great question, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you walk into um, a buffet, <laughs> right and there's a Gadget ton the of food, choice the food analogies. right there's a ton of choice there <laughs> it can be overwhelming if it's just out there out in the open right yeah maybe it's organized by you know appetizer entrees but it's just kind of out there now imagine <laughs> you walk into a restaurant and they have a way more organized they have it organized in a way where they want you to experience different kinds of foods or mm. if you have if you prefer certain types of meats or certain types of flavors there's a path you can take to enjoy that right mm -hmm. you feel like you're you're being guided in a way i feel like that's the issue facing fujifilm right now does it have too many features no 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 they pack in so much that when you are picking up a camera like this, you feel like you have everything you need to tell a great story, to capture a great image. Mm -hmm. I think the challenge ahead of Fujifilm now is how things are organized. When I started with the Fujifilm X-T2 to where I'm at now and just seeing how much the menus have expanded and how much you kind of have to know to take advantage of these things. And not everything is you know, clear as day especially when you're going into the autofocus settings, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the next challenge for Fujifilm, and I've spoken about this before even on my YouTube channel, is like they got to just figure out how to streamline these menus, how to make it more accessible, how to guide people better so that they know how to best use the camera. For example, I'll give you a great example here. You can go under megabits and there's 720 and 360 and like you just choose a megabit option. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, they don't know what that means. So they're always just going to choose 720, right? Like they just think, okay, I'll just go with the higher number, but you're using up your storage. Now, if you compare this with something like a red camera solution where they just have HQ, MQ, LQ, right? High quality, low quality, uh, sorry, medium quality, low quality. And on their website, it tells you high quality if you're working with visual effects, green screen, um, you just want the most detail. Cool, use that. For most people, you're okay with medium quality, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with this Fujifilm camera. For most people, you can go down to like that around 300 megabit range, and that should be plenty fine for what you're about to do, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to see from Fujifilm next, is really change and upgrade their menu system, similar to how Sony approached this, right? When they introduced the a7 IV, right? Sorry, the a7S III, I should say, and they updated that menu system. 
Like these are the things that I think will make a big difference for users. So I think that point is very valid. It I I've been shooting a lot with my Ninja V Plus, and I love that it's just 4K HQ LT, and like you have very limited options in terms of that. But I also did like on the Fujifilm menu how you would choose 16 by 9, 17 by 9, uh, then you'd choose 4K 1080P, whatever kind of quality that you wanted there but then i did like how you could also choose the megabits per second on certain things as well so i thought that was kind of interesting but now we've mixed in like ProRes, and i'm looking at like the dp review spec sheet where we were comparing the xh2 versus the xh2s and like the list of codecs is absolutely crazy i think it was like four scrolls to get through just the list of different codecs here so i was super curious about that another question uh, i got for you gadget is this xh2 and maybe we could also include the xh2s is this are these cameras cinema cameras or are we in are we still differentiating mirrorless cameras and cinema cameras right now because i'm saying 700 and something megabits per second that we're in this cinema camera kind of ca uh, category but is it is it a, yeah, is it a cinema I, camera? Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, it, the people and especially YouTube makes things complicated and marketing as well makes things more complicated than needs to be. This is not a cinema camera. Mm -hmm. This is a digital mirrorless camera that brings amazing cinematic features that you could shoot for the cinema with. Yes, but I think there's a clear line of demarcation between what makes a cinema camera and what doesn't, and often it is the sensor. It is the sensor that is being used, right? If you look at the cinema line from RED, from ARRI, uh, from Canon, from Sony, it's the sensor that makes the difference, right? And then right behind it, the processor and how things are being channeled and integrated in. Um, this is not a cinema camera. That doesn't mean you can't shoot a great movie with this thing, <laughs> yeah. right? It really doesn't matter. And I feel like sometimes semantics takes over uh, uh, the argument or the debate or the dialogue for frivolous reasons, often for like self, uh, selfish reasons, I, sh I should say. The Fujifilm X-H2 is not a cinema camera. It is a fantastic cinematic tool though. It is something that you have a ton of versatility with. You can do amazing, amazing things with, um, things that you didn't think possible, you know, pr on prior mirrorless solutions, right? Such as, again, AK recording, internal, ProRes, without worrying, you know, really storage being your only limiting factor. Fantastic stuff. But no, short answer, it's not a cinema camera. Okay, Gadget. Let's let's move to the opposite end of the spectrum here. Let's talk this new GoPro Hero 11, uh, Hero 11 because yes. this camera was just released and this is also another tool that creators are might wanting to add to their kit. Talk to me about some of the new upgrades and what has actually changed in the Hero 11 versus Hero 10. What's going on there? Yeah, so GoPro introduced their new Hero 11. They have sort of a typically an annual release cycle, right? Where they introduce their mm -hmm. new flagship product. And this one, I mean, the biggest upgrade right now is there is a larger new sensor, an eight by seven sensor, not your three by two aspect ratio, eight by seven. It's mm -hmm. pretty much a square sensor that has the ability to record 5.3K up to 60P or 4K 120. So you got to think 5.3K resolution, tons of resolution across a sensor that's essentially a square. And what this brings to the table is just a lot more options. 
if you are a creator of any kind, if you are just creating for yourself or for an audience, whatever it may be, you now have the ability to record video and then mm. decide later you want it to be horizontal, square, vertical with a lot more image real estate. That's the biggest thing that stood out to me, right? Is that now you have just way more options in how you want to share your footage. So if you're making content for a YouTube video, you can take that eight by seven image and then just take that 16 by nine, just take the best middle part of it and crop it in, right? Or if you're making something for social, maybe you want to make the same cut that you're making for YouTube. You want to make a version for vertical video, for a reel, for TikTok. You can take that footage and again, get a better crop that's vertical. I think that's the first thing that people are going to appreciate about this camera. The second thing, they've upgraded the uh, color to the color recording rate to 10-bit color. Um, mm. Sorry, I should say bit depth, not recording rate. The bit depth is increased to 10-bit. This gives you the marketing speak is like millions and millions and millions of more colors. What does this actually mean for the user? Is that when you bring the footage into your computer and you start to grade it and color it and make it look, you know, the style that you want to look like, you're going to see less of that banding. You're going to see less of those blue skies where you kind of see the streaks of where it's changing color. It's going to be a lot more mm -hmm. smoother so that when you grade it and you send it into a Rec. 709 format, it's just going to look a lot more pleasing and, you know, essentially get footage that can better match other cameras as well. So kudos to them for that. Um, the last thing I'll mention, they have this uh, hyper smooth upgrade to 5.0 and it includes this new feature called Horizon Lock, which means that when you turn this on, you are using a tighter crop of the sensor, but you can essentially rotate your GoPro even upside down and it will still keep your image steady. This looks like witchcraft. I this is one of those features where you're like, holy <laughs> crap! Like, wait, what? Yes, it, it's a it's a level of image stabilization that looks at the horizon. It actually looks at what you're looking at, isolates where the horizon is. So it'll work best in you know higher contrast situations where you can actually see a line in front of you, and it'll keep it so steady that even if you flip your camera sideways and upside down it's still going to keep that image right side up. Mm -hmm. It probably makes no sense if you're listening to me right now, so you <laughs> just have to go on YouTube and watch it. But that new Horizon Lock feature, uh, that's that's fantastic. Mm. Okay, okay, I hear you. I hear you. New sensor, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to see what the deal is with the app, uh, the GoPro app, because I have yet to jump on uh, any of the, the GoPros because I think Insta360 has put up some stiff competition and uh, the 360 cameras that Insta360 are coming out with are ridiculous. And I think they were kind of leapfrogging uh, over top of the GoPro kind of realm because they've been doing larger sensors for a little bit of time. So let me ask you this. Do you think if I was if I was using a GoPro Hero 9 or oh my goodness, a, a Hero 8, do you think we should be upgrading to something like this? Is it worth the the jump? Are you are you thinking? I think it comes back to how often you capture what you capture, right? Mm -hmm. I upgraded from a Hero 8. And now this is also because the Hero 8, um, it fried and it doesn't work properly, so I <laughs> needed to upgrade. Uh, but I think if I had a Hero 8 that was working, I would still upgrade. There is enough mm. here that will give 
regular creators, people that are creating every week or every other week, enough value in their workflow to upgrade. If mm-hmm. you have a nine, I still think so. If you have a 10, probably not. Right? You really got to want that new sensor and that 8.7, sorry, 8 by 7 aspect ratio. Like it, that'll come back to the frequency of how, how, many, how much you use this GoPro. But mm-hmm. if you have an eight or nine, I, I think you got to give it a serious look. I, it's, it's something that is going to bring a lot of value to the table and just allow you to capture a lot better. This is a, you're in a sweet spot if you're at the Hero 8 or 9. Like, it's good with these GoPro cameras. They come out so often that you kind of almost have to stay a couple generations behind here. So this is super interesting. But let's move on to the next topic here. And this is something that I actually even dove into a little bit heavier. What's, what's going on with this new iPhone 14? They, what, like this this camera i'm a little bit like shocked by like the quality that we're getting out of this iphone 14 it's making yeah. me so seriously 14, consider jumping up what's happening the, the 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 14 pro here this is the real i mean most of the upgrades this is where it really came down to right and you know when i was looking at this i'm like there's enough upgrades here that anthony might actually upgrade from his <laughs> iphone 7 i'm not joking yeah. folks. he might yeah. actually do it okay i'm seriously considering the, the biggest thing here is that you have you 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 have three sensors on the iPhone, three cameras right on the back, right? You have mm-hmm. that telephoto, the ultra wide, and then you have the main camera. The main camera has been upgraded with a bigger sensor, sixty five percent larger is what they're saying, and it captures a forty eight megapixel. It can capture a forty eight megapixel image. What they're doing though is that they're actually using pixel binning um, to actually expand the pixels that are capturing the light. And it actually spits out most of the time a 12 megapixel image. So it's using this 48 megapixel sensor to then bin the pixel separately to give you a better quality 12 megapixel image. But if you go into the raw mode, their pro raw mode, you can take advantage of the full 48 megapixels and get even more detail with this thing. So that's like the biggest upgrade. Hmm. They now have different uh, zoom options. So you have their main one, which is works out to about a 24 millimeter focal length. They have a two time zoom, a three time zoom now, and they have their ultra wide as well, which they've had before. And that macro mode that they introduced last year on the iPhone 13. So a lot of options here, especially that three times, which goes to about 77 millimeters in focal length. That's hmm. going to allow you to get like, a really nice portrait, close to portrait style image, right? Or just get more detail, especially if you're traveling abroad and you want to capture a little bit more of these detail shots and you can't get as close, that's going to be useful for people. There's better low light capabilities with this camera. There's cinematic mode that they introduced last year. Well, now you can do it in 24 frames per second in 4K HDR. This is something that, look, you can, you know, if you're a snobby elitist and you're using your cinema <laughs> camera, well, you can poo-poo this thing. But for the regular consumer, right, that might upgrade their iPhone once every two or three years, and they see something like this, and maybe they're just capturing their family, their friends, their kids. Like, this is just cool. It's a cool mm-hmm. thing that you can see right away, you can take advantage of, and as long as there's not, you know, hundreds of faces in the scene, you can get something that just feels a little bit more special, right? This is a killer feature now. Okay, you, you ready for this? Yeah. They have their new image stabilization that has been upgraded tremendously. And I've been looking at footage both from their keynote and from YouTubers that have been trying to test this thing. Yeah. This might just kill gimbals for phones. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you if you are tired of carrying around a little gimbal for your phone, this right here might do away with that. It is a level of active image stabilization that you can run with and it will stabilize the footage in a very profound way, in a way that you, you know, you, we probably won't see even in digital cameras. I think this is something that is truly unique to mobile devices and the processing that they're uh, that they're putting into these mobile devices. So that those are sort of like the high notes here mm-hmm. with the iPhone 14 Pro and, and their camera specifically. And that's exactly where I was going to go with it, too. Um, the thing that really sold me was Peter McKinnon's video that he did where he recorded a whole talking head section and then did some like uh, he did some watch photography, which was really cool, which is hilarious. We were just talking about this, photographing some IWC watches, um, doing like the, his Canon 100 mil next to the iPhone photo. Uh, and they were they were shockingly similar. Like, I mean, you'd have to really be peeking deep into these photos to to really recognize the difference. Um, and yeah, this, the active track, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my goodness, we're like running and like jumping downstairs. And this is looking as smooth as heck. Like it was crazy, the the difference in stabilization. So I think we could pretty much answer this question right here. This camera is definitely probably something people should upgrade into. The, the features seem like they're a huge jump. And uh, I think this is something that I'll probably have to investigate further into. Your thoughts before we... Yeah, I, I think if you have an iPhone 12 or earlier, and this is what I... I mean, this is usually my generic advice for everything. And it often comes back to this. Because <laughs> yeah. like, look, you don't upgrade every year, right? No. Whether it's your camera, whatever it is. You upgrade every three, four, five years, okay? And you get the best one you can afford. Mm-hmm. And if you can get an iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max, there are some serious features that differentiate this from the standard iPhone 14 um, that are worth the, the the delta in price. So again, if you have an iPhone 12 or earlier, I think it's worth the upgrade for this camera. If you have an iPhone 12 Pro or a 13 Pro, I think really just look at your situation. You know, it just yeah, comes back to yeah. how much of a, uh, a photo geek you are or how much of a phone geek you are, you know, and it's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. But you could probably squeeze out another year if you're on a 12 Pro or 13 Pro uh, and wait for that 15. So, yeah, exciting stuff, man. A lot of announcements. Um, it's fun. GMC is back. Good Morning Camera's back. And I feel <laughs> yeah. like we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about. But with every episode, this is our favorite part of our show. This is a favorite part of our show. It is the creator draft picks it's the part of the show where we talk about something that we've been using that we've been getting value out of that we believe is worth the investment anthony what do you have for us today what's your creator draft pick for episode 33 of good morning camera yeah, so I'm kind of revisiting the Atomos Ninja V Plus. This is a creator draft pick that I I had a little bit of time ago, but like I'm I'm seeing the new releases and seeing these new cameras that are coming out. I'm specifically talking about the XH2S uh, and just the quality that are coming out of the new cameras right now is absolutely ridiculous, and it's 
kind of validating the purchase that I made quite a, a little bit of time ago. And that is the Atomos Ninja V Plus because we're talking cameras that are recording 8K, 6K. The Atomos Ninja V Plus can record 6 or 8K right to the uh, recorder itself. The Ninja V has also come down a crazy amount. And I think that's something that people should investigate. But one of the reasons why I got the Ninja V Plus is because uh, these cameras are just going to be pumping out that high quality, um, like, uh, in terms of like the resolution. So yeah, I think this is something that people should really, really consider if you're trying to do any kind of manual focus work on a traditional mirrorless camera and you're just using the LCD screen. Phew, oh my goodness, man, this is going to change your, change your workflow and just the, the ease, uh, uh, the ease of manual focusing with an Atomos Ninja V or a Ninja V plus is just on another level. Then let's talk about SD cards because I'm trying to future proof myself a little bit because I don't want to be jumping all over the place with all these different types of SD cards. There's CFast, there's CF Express, there's uh, traditional V90 SD cards. And I just went with the Angelbird SSD that goes into the Atomos Ninja V Plus. And this has been fantastic. I never use traditional SD cards anymore. I'm recording always to the Atomos Ninja V Plus and then uh, right to that Angelbird. And these Angelbird cards are just extremely fast. Uh, they're they're they pretty much beat just about any uh, SD card. Uh, maybe some of the maybe minus some of the high end CF Express cards. But yeah, recording to those, you're future future proofing yourself a little bit. So that's why I think this creator draft pick definitely need to revisit these Atomos uh, recorders. And uh, that's it. That's my creator draft pick for this week. What do you got, Gadget? What's going on with you? This one is a less expensive pick. This is something that's less expensive. And dare I say, Anthony, going to bring people more value than your pick. Really? Not that it's a competition, oh <laughs> but I'm just saying. It is a competition. It is a competition. <laughs> if it's a competition on price, then I think I might be winning. But if it's a competition on feature sets, I think you might be winning. Until now, and it is the American Cinematography Manual. Oh, Look, boy. Many of us, including myself, are self-taught videographers, cinematographers, filmmakers, directors, what have you, right? We go on YouTube, then we practice, then we talk to people, we meet people, we we ask questions over, you know, social and all that kind of stuff. And we sort of wiggle and pachinko our way into <laughs> becoming this filmmaker, right? And we don't go necessarily the traditional route. There's a lot of people that do, but there's many more that don't. Mm -hmm. And then I had someone recommend this to me of like, like, it's worth the read. It is almost like this reference guide for all the terminologies that are used in the cinematography space. And it kind of helps you expand that foundation that you may have learned things informally, but now you can formalize some of that knowledge so you have a deeper understanding of what you already might be practicing. So if you are shooting high frame rates, if you want to understand sensors a little bit better, if you want to understand even just the mechanics of how certain things work, um, if you especially want to understand exposure indexes and ISOs and, and just like learn it to a way where it arms your existing knowledge, that mm -hmm. is what this manual is for. It is, it is just the cinematography Bible here with a ton <laughs> of information in here. You go to the American Cinematography, uh, sorry, American uh, Cinematographer Association website um, 
let me let me say it properly for them. American Society of Cinematographers, ASC. You go to their website. <laughs> they have it there for you. That is my pick. It's not an expensive pick. This is something that I just think that, you know, if you're into video, if you're into production and you just want to like and you didn't go to film school, I think this is something that that's worth investing in. Yeah, people can't see uh, us right now, but Gadget is holding up a what looks, I was going to say, what looks like a cinematographer's Bible. <laughs> you know how they leave the Bible in a hotel? I feel like if you're traveling yeah, you to just, like LA, Toronto, any of these like, you know, where they record a lot, Vancouver, Atlanta, they should give you an option for this, where there's a, cinemat- <laughs> a cinematography manual in the hotel drawer. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. Wow. Good pick. I, cool, that's, man. that's an interesting one. Uh, I think you'd like it too. I think I think you're gonna add this to your wish list this holiday season, man. So look, that's our picks. Thank you so much for listening. It's good to be back, Anthony. It's good to be mm-hmm. back. We got stuff to talk about. We got bonus episodes going out. So last week we had Zach. We have Julie coming up. We have another creator, uh, Gregor. I won't spoil any of them. You got to mm-hmm. listen to these bonus episodes. We had a ton of fun creating them. And then uh, yeah, we'll be back again with with more things to talk about. As always, my name's Gadget, his name's Anthony, and we'll see you next time.